painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking, KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. We all know the mighty Mississippi, roaring through Winona with various boats, swimmers, fishers, and floods. We're so used to it, though, that we may think there's nothing new about it that there's nothing new to discover. But what if you could hear under the waves? Today on Artbeat, we're joined by Eric Schoester and Jason Nana as they dive into the sounds of the Mississippi River. A quick disclaimer before we start. Any mention of Richard Roundtooth in this interview is actually Rodney Roundtree. Check out his website at fishecology.org. I'm here with Eric Schoester for the Sounds of the River event. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, good. So why don't you explain what's happening here? Sure. So um, Jason and I put together a hydrophone system. That uh, There's a unit at the dock um, near Levy Park, uh, the, the Winona Tour boat dock. And that unit is connected. Um, there's a little Wi-Fi modem, and it's streaming the Sounds of the River to a website that you can listen to the sounds basically unfiltered, but then also into the beer garden space here. And there's like four like panel speakers. They've got these exciters attached to them, um, which are just kind of the driver part of the speaker. Um, and so they vibrate the material that they're attached to and kind of make them resonate and turn them into a speaker. Um, and then there's a little subwoofer down there too, that little gray thing down there. Um, but it, it's basically one channel just being played through these four speakers and then the, the subwoofer um, there. This website you're mentioning, what's the website? Uh, it's, it's one of those, like, it's got a weird, a weird name. It Lost is the name of the project, so the website is los.st. Is Lost just for the sounds of the river, or is there other things involved in it? Um, Lost is a intermedia small press publishing project that I'm just starting this year, um, and we're publishing uh, like a chapbook of poems, a zine um, with some generative graphics. Um, there's an event here in the, the beer garden um, that this, this installation, the, the river listening installation is kind of leading up to the event. We're just cramming a bunch of things together basically. <laughs> but, yeah. What's this other event? In the beer garden space, uh, TV Pow from Chicago is playing and Woolen Lover from Winona is playing and then uh, Geodes from Milwaukee, which is my group, um, is playing as well. All right. Uh, for the sounds of the river, what exactly are we hearing over this? Are we hearing the movement of the water? Are we hearing, like, uh, motors under the water? Are we hearing fish hit the microphone or something? Yeah, I mean, all those things are possible. What we're, we're listening to right now are archive recordings from the summer. Um, the dock system just went down, like, a couple hours ago, so <laughs> I got to go check out what's wrong with it. But um, So, you know, most of these sounds, like, I have no idea, honestly. Like, it, you can you can find like databases of um, recordings of fish vocalizations that they can kind of like compare to, and so like there you, you can hear that kind of like low grunty kind of like yeah, sound. Yeah, it it might be a freshwater drum. That's the one that I think maybe I've been able to identify. Um, but those produce the they're, they're fish that produce um, sound by like kind of knocking some bones together and then their swim bladders amplify that into these like big they've got these like muscles in their swim bladders that like kind of thump against <laughs> make these make these like thumping weird grunting sounds yeah strange 
So what we're hearing right now, that could be fish, yeah. as in fish producing sound. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, like the clicking kind of sounds, even the like sort of dripping sounds, all potentially could be fish. <laughs> so is there a place people can listen to this like year round? Uh, as long as it's running, it'll be available on the website, and I think we'll probably, I'll probably keep the archive re- recordings up on online as long as I can. Uh, Would the archive recording be on the website? Yeah, yeah. And there's some links too to um, Richard Roundtree's website, which uh, he calls himself the Fish Listener, um, and he's got a lot of great recordings on his website too. Hey man, that's interesting. Uh, what would you say is probably the strangest thing you've recorded on this? Something that you weren't expecting? This, you know, the way the boats sound underwater were surprising to me. Um, we were just talking about this last night where, like, you lose all the low frequency sound. Like, I would expect, like, this big low rumbling kind of sound of an engine or something, but it's all very, this, like, tinny sort of, like, like spaceship sort of, like, zoom. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but, um, yeah, boats sound very surprising to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's all been really surprising. It's been it's been kind of fun just to listen. And well, what inspired you to really make this a thing? Why why choose to listen to the river? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I moved here in 2019 and started hanging out by the river and inevitably put a hydrophone into it because I like to make field recordings. So yeah, and it just kind of spoke to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, so you've you've had kind of a fascination with the river in various capacities, right? You had that island, Latch Island, and you had that album release that was related to the river, right? That how was that concept part of the the album? Like, how did the river? That's, I mean, yeah, that actually kind of um, all just after moving here and like spending time by the river. I, I, that's when I made that record, um, which is. Uh, What's it called? Um, uh, a catalog of river dwellers. Catalog of r- river dwellers. And I, I found, I found um, around that time, I was just trying to learn about like what 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 is possible to hear under underwater, and like making some really really crude hydrophones out of contact microphones. Um, and I found this woman Marie Poland Fish, who'd um, done research for the. Um, for the U.S. Navy in the, the 50s and 60s, like top secret research, she was like um, studying fish vocalization so they could maybe use it as a tactical advantage for like submarine navigation or something like that. Um, but she published this book in the 70s when the when the research became declassified, and it's just it's literally just like a catalog of all these different all the fish that she studied, and like there's a there's a like a picture of like the 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 sonogram of like what the vocalization sounds like and like with the mechanism that like that it's you know used to make it like what bones may be involved or whatever and like um it's really i mean that's all it is it's just like tons of those and um and there are some record i found some recordings so like the album features some samples of like her husband being like species five two seven eight you know or whatever like um, you know before he's like introducing the clips um but yeah, and I guess that kind of like hearing those hearing those recordings made me be like, want I wanted to be able to try to you know hear that myself. I will say it is very, uh, I guess you'd say atmospheric. It, it is nice to listen to, but it also has a sense of um, there's something there we don't know, and I love that. It, it adds a bit of mystery to the river, which 
Uh, I remember when I saw it flood here, not like, what was it? Probably in March, or, not March, uh, April or May. I remember thinking, I knew what's under that concrete. I knew it's like, you know, a sidewalk. But the fact that I can't physically see it right now really excited me. It's the idea of what could be down there. And I know we, we pretty much know for the most part, but you never know. Maybe something came up, maybe something swam in, maybe something was taken out that really shouldn't have. Maybe it brushed away some uh, some sand and who knows, maybe we found a piece of scrap metal would interest me. Uh, would you say you have that same sense of like wonder for the river? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's that's what's been fun this week, especially. It's just, it's been, this week, it's been surprisingly, like, very quiet, but still super interesting, like, w- when things happen, like, it's, <laughs> it's exciting, I don't know. What, what circumstances would affect the way, what you would hear? Would, like, a f- would, when the river floods, would it be more active, would it be less active, uh, during certain weather conditions, does that affect what you'd hear? I think the answer is probably yes to all that. I'm the wrong person to ask about this stuff. Like, I really don't know anything about the ecology of it or, like, um, I mean, just researching this project, I've been learning a little bit about that, and that's been interesting to, to read about. But, um, yeah, I have no idea. Well, do you plan to pursue it further? Or is it just to, it's just, like, a nice hobby to listen to, well, the river? Well, yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, Jason and I have been talking about, like, what Mark version 2 of this is going to maybe look like and... Can you share anything about version two? <laughs> well, do you want to talk about the microphones a little bit? Um, uh, Jason built these custom hydrophones that yeah, uh, sure. you can. T- so basically, uh, I think a big chunk of working on this project involved, especially from my perspective, involved like what does what, how does underwater recording work? Like, what's the best way to, you know, capture the sound, whatever? And I don't think we really um, got there yet. It is a complicated problem, so we designed and tested a couple of different underwater recording solutions and that's one thing I think we'd really like to to try out. We have we built our uh, hydrophones uh, custom. They have a little preamplifier in them. They've got some little electronics to try to get them uh, to work as well as possible. And um, the one thing I think that's really peculiar that I'm really interested in is that the bandwidth of the sounds that are available underwater is actually much greater than the bandwidth of sounds that propagate in the air. So you actually have a lot, a whole sonic spectrum that um, that could reveal a lot of things just like how the sounds are kind of like alien, they don't sound familiar to us. Well there's a whole region of the spectrum that we can pick up with these microphones that we have yet to even really hear yet. Like, what would it sound like if we pitch shifted those sounds so that we can actually listen to them? Like, that's an interest of mine. I don't know if it's going to be useful or not. Um, A lot of working on projects like this is just, like, finding ideas that interest you and, like, play. And it's hard to necessarily tell what direction a project is going to go in because you just don't know until you just play around with the stuff and see what's, what's interesting, what's a dead end, what's, you know... Well, I'd like to hear a little more about your process to make this a reality. What, what would you surprise you, uh, surprise you both when trying to put this whole thing together? Surprising-wise? Uh, talk about the chal- like technical challenges, right? Yeah, like, that was a big surprise. Yeah, I mean, there's just, it's been odd. This is nonstop <laughs> surprises yeah. in that regard. 
Like, yeah, I mean, we went through a bunch of iterations of this. Like, we started out in terms of, like, I mean, one big problem is just, like, how do you get the sound from the dock to the beer garden space? Like, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. I, lots of different ways to transmit things wirelessly, but, like, so many of them are, like, not available to us or, like, have these, like, weird restrictions. Like, this, what we're using right now is, you know, a cellular network, just, like, the same network that your cell phone uses to, like, access a website or whatever. Um, but I've, this is the third carrier that are on, like, the first one. It was just, like... The, you know, you go through these big companies and, like, they, they want you to use their, their data in a specific way. And, like, so that, that was one problem we ran into. It's, like, the system went down because I ran out of data for the month, you know, or whatever. Uh, that was the first, that was one obstacle. But we, anyway, before we, we went on to the cellular modems, we were experimenting with um, LoRa, which is, like, a point-to-point radio uh, transmission system that's really not designed at all for streaming audio. It's meant for just sending like control signals like uh, not a lot of data at all um and I, I don't know we we got pretty far into making that work but it would like um it was really really fragile and there just wasn't enough time to like test it and like get it robust enough to make it work so we kind of fell back to the cellular modems and i don't know there, there's a lot of other there were a lot of other problems with it just transmitting and then there's been problems with like powering the system too uh, on the dock um we ended up with like I guess we've got three batteries in there now. We we, we had a system, we had a really nice system that Jason devi- designed around a single battery uh, source, and then we had this like problem with uh, some component like becoming an antenna or something like that, and like we got all this like weird radio interference in the signal, and it just like one of the components of the battery became an antenna, like it was r- disrupting how how you were broadcasting or. Uh, no, actually, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we fully troubleshot where, where, where the problem came in. But yeah, I mean, with, with, with this project, I think there was a lot of bespoke solutions that we needed to come up with and not even, you know, it's funny because it like just having something that's out on the dock where you don't have access to power and where you know radio communication is where it's far enough away where you have to establish a completely like you know independent uh streaming solution to get something to get a signal from one place to another um sounds like not that big of a challenge but it actually really really is there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of little things that could go wrong so that was a yeah i think um that was probably the yeah one of the probably the largest investment of time on this whole project I think has more to do with just solving technical challenges than it really does and like dreaming what could we do and what would be the most interesting thing to do it's more just like well how are we going to pull this off you know like how is it going to (laughs) work have you only done this over in the river here in Winona or are there other bodies of water you have you only done it there this is the first this is the first uh, incarnation of this project yeah so this is your first get go how's it well, how would you say it went? Does it, does it reach your expectations, or do you think, like, okay, there's a lot of stuff we got to work on? No, I'm really happy with how things turned out. I mean, the fact that, it, like, we got it to work is, is, is you know, that that was kind of the goal with this. So I'm just happy that we got to listen for most of the week, even though, you know, it's been, a, some days it's been up for, like, what, three or four hours or something like that. And, like, the record, I think, was 11. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. Do you plan to continue doing this? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to. For sure. 
uh, do you plan just to keep broadcasting here in Peter's Beer Garden? Are there other locations you'd like to try and put this up? Uh, like, where would be your ideal setting to have this be put on broadcast? Uh, oh, ideal setting is a, is a good question. We're, uh, we just started talking about uh, to the Marine Art Museum about maybe doing something over there, which would be cool. Um, and the, Yeah, no, and they've got a perfect setup because they're, like, just right on the river and... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be. I'd, I think it'd be cool to just like bring this to other bodies of water, just out of sheer, just like what do they, what do other bodies of water sound like? What do other ecosystems sound like? I think that would be really cool. Yeah, see, that would have been a question of mine as well. Since this is the first time you've done this, you wouldn't know the answer. But I, my my first question would have been, how would this sound different from, say, the ocean, a pond, a lake, uh, even a stream where there wouldn't be much? Uh, and it did rain throughout the week. And did you did you observe anything different when it was raining compared to when how it is now? Yeah, um, you can. I mean, you you do hear the rain through the stream uh, more so than I was actually expecting. I was kind of expecting it to be, you know, calm under the water. But um, that you know that could also be be partly because we're only maybe four or five feet deep into the water where we are. Um, so the deeper you go, maybe the less the less you're going to get that kind of sound. But yeah, the, the, there were like two or three times where we got some brief storms during the week, and that was cool to like hear that through the stream. Um, yeah. You said your band relates to this project somewhat. What's the relation? <laughs> I get the only really the only real relation uh, is that tomorrow we're going to kind of we're shutting the installation down, and so during our band set uh, we're improvising and we're going to improvise along with the system and I think Jason's going to be performing through the hydrophone system so he's going to be like playing instruments in the water um, <laughs> and we'll be broadcasting it in the space and then playing along with him so I think, yeah all right please explain to me how you plan to do that what instruments are you using and and well so I don't have a strong plan yet we really just only discussed this yesterday maybe for the first time uh Eric said that it appeared to him in a dream, and I, I thought, I was like, oh, that's like, I'll do that. That sounds fine. Go down to the river and just, I was thinking, I don't know. I'm Right now, I'm thinking, like, uh, maybe just dropping various objects, like some gravel and sand and things, and just trying to make it, I don't know, trying to, like, have... I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'll improvise, figure it out when I'm down there, but... um, um yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's an open question at this point. Maybe get some, some bait and just throw it in there to attract fish. <laughs> get uh, them to show yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's entirely possible. I don't think that... Uh, we have a half-hour window to work with, too. We so were, actually, we were, late last night, we were down there actually messing around with making sounds into the hydrophones, and there was a, there was a huge swarm of fish, these little, tiny little minnows and things. And we were remarking about how it's surprising that there are fish everywhere right there and you don't hear them, or at least it wasn't necessarily. So I think the idea that if you can get a bunch of fish to just be active in one area, that it's going to actually translate to sound, doesn't it doesn't seem to be the case. No, it's just like they make sound when they're going to make sound. And I don't know what you have to do to convince them to become vocal. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I should go out there with some... Uh, is there like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it comes down to. It's just... Uh, 
I'm sure there's a bait shop. I, I mean, I've seen people fish. I, I mean, if you're asking me where a bait shop is, I really should know, but I don't know off the top of my head. Isn't there like fish attractor, fish fish attractant, uh, liquid or fish repellent or something? Maybe, you know, maybe just dumping various uh, chemicals into the river. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. So we just heard a, a pretty big boom on the on the uh, system, and I don't know if you'll be able to tell me this, but what was that? Right. No, I mean I don't know. So the, yeah, these are recordings from the summer, and that could have been me repositioning the mic and knocking it into the dock or something like that. It could have also just been something swimming by and bumping into it. I, yeah, I don't know. Right. Oh, well, uh, you said you used a hydrophone to set this up. What? Just out of curiosity, can you tell me everything you used to set this up? How did you make it a reality? Uh, partially because I'm really curious, and if anyone would want... Are you fine with people wanting to do this as well, or is this, like, your thing? Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're still, like, debugging and, like, trying to figure out what works and stuff, but, like, that, that's something we've been talking about from the beginning is just, you know, whatever we, whatever solutions we come up with, we're definitely planning to share. Um I don't know. Yeah, like material-wise, like the the system right now, as it as it um, as it exists, is like a Raspberry Pi, and this is the dock system. A Raspberry Pi connected to um, a, a digital to analog converter and analog digital to digital converter. It's this hat called the Hi-Fi Berry, um, and that connects to uh, a battery-powered Phantom system, which powers the preamplifier in the hydrophone um and the hydrophone is like a custom thing that jason built and it's based on what was it the um like u.s geological survey or something the yeah there were a couple of there were a couple of documents that were like about making underwater recordings um uh actually there was a really really nice thorough uh instructables uh, site that we found that kind of amassed some of these uh, the knowledge about high-end hydrophone design, um, and uh, it involves taking a uh, piezo transducer, which is like a crystal that, when it uh, flexes, generates a voltage. Um, but it's a very small voltage, and so you need to build an amplifier that's very close to it, so that you know that you. Uh, uh, mitigate the noise issues and filtering issues that come with trying to send this very tiny signal down a, a long wire. And now you've got electronics in the water, so you have to come up with a way to enclose it, encapsulate it, so it's like resin cast. So the whole thing is a very kind of like custom device. The idea of like making underwater recordings is not, um, is not a typical, well, it's not typically done, so... <laughs> It's usually, I think, something that either you have to buy some very expensive research equipment or you have to just do it yourself. And so uh, we're much more of the from the strain of, of do-it-yourself types. So, How do these uh, stereos work here? Um, so these are plexiglass panels that have these exciters attached to them, which are just like the driver part of a speaker. And you can attach these exciters to all sorts of different types of materials and they physically vibrate the material and turn it and like make them resonators, turn them into the, the cone part of the speaker. So the kind of fun thing about these things is that you can attach them to different materials and they're going to sound different. Um, the, the plexiglass are, is pretty like high frequency kind of tinny 
um, sort of filtered, like, uh, I don't know, like telephone coil pickup. Maybe that's an antiquated reference. But um, uh, cardboard is surprisingly, like, very nice frequency response. Like, if you want some, like, hi-fi audiophile stuff, like a cardboard box is a good way to get get some nice sound, honestly, with these speakers. Um, But, yeah, I've been messing around with... um, uh, I guess metal symbols recently, the hi hats, um, and tomorrow at the uh, performance, that's what I'll be playing through. Hi-hats. All right, then. What other materials would you like to try with this? I'd like to work more with glass. Glass is hard because, you know, getting it cut and <laughs> breaking it and whatever. But um, I've got some exciters on my windows at home, um, which is like my home listening, part of my home listening system. And uh, glass sounds nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess primarily what I'm working on with these things now is like I really like the idea of working with this like sort of embodied sound where it's not it's not speakers as kind of like a screen. Um, the the dorky word to use is acousmatic, where like the 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 sound is sort of disembodied and just like you, you're sort of meant to ignore the speakers. The speakers are, are meant to be kind of an invisible part of the environment and the sound. And like I really like these things become part of the space you know they're they're in the environment they, they're 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 physical um so it's not so much just about using the speakers as this like sort of virtual projection it's like it's this thing it's like a embodied instrument a little bit um so that, that that's kind of exciting to me yeah. is it only the water that you plan to record with this is there any other locations you'd like to record with this equipment i mean i get it's a hydrophone so yeah it's, it's strictly for underwater but who knows maybe there's another place that might interest you with the same kind of concept uh well I just on my own uh before started making recordings in the river I, I was experimenting with hydrophones just like in my apartment as uh, feedback devices so using the water as a filter and sending signals through the the water creating feedback loops with the water as part of the circuit or whatever um so yeah I don't know It'd be fun to like with these more serious like nice microphones like the the, the ones that I was working with like initially were pretty crude. Um, that'd be fun to try again. I also I should mention that there's there's this really great this really great system called the Audio Moth. Those are when they're available. Um, they're not always produced, but they, they kind of produce them in batches. Um, they're pretty affordable, and they're like, it's like an all-in-one unit that comes with like a waterproof case. And you you can't do the kind of thing that we're doing here, where you can monitor or stream as you record. But it's this self-contained unit that you can just like throw in the water for a while, and then pull it out, and then you can take the recordings off. Um, and they're really nice, and they're, they're built for being deployed in the field for like a long time. Like acoustic ecologists use them to like study like bat vocalizations or something like that. You might leave one of these for a month in a forest or something and see like how often are bats coming through and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Can I ask why you didn't try to get one of those done? Uh, well, actually, I did start <laughs> start with that, and they they make a development kit where um, you could theor- theoretically use it to like. Um, connect to a system like we've got right now to stream the audio in real time. But that, I mean, that was the major obstacle is they're not built for like real time streaming. Um, and I don't know, like uh, this is something that we were, we were testing last night too. Is just like it, like the the microphone on the audio moth does have like a filtering kind of like it, it distorts the audio um, in in terms of the frequency content of the audio. Um, and the the piezo elements that Jason's got in the in the um, these hydrophones that that's like one nice 
as I understand it, that's that's one really nice quality about them is that they've got a very, very flat frequency response. So it's a very it's a more natural sound, I guess. I got it, man. I love hearing this right now. This is—it's—it's it's really nice to hear. It's really interesting. It gives me a lot of questions, which I love. Um, I would have to say, you mentioned how uh, Jason. Yes, okay. Jason here is uh, planning to. You said throw sand and gravel into the water to try and make <laughs> instruments out of this. How do you riff off that? Is this just a do as it goes kind of thing? Are you trying to make full fledged songs, or is it just a way to kind of like well, add to the natural so, sound of the world? So we were just discussing this before, and again, it's 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 very off the cuff. Um, so I suggested, I said, well, you know, we could use that as a very very loose. I could give you a game plan where I I tonight I come up with I'm gonna do five things and so I'll do this thing for five minutes I'll do this for five minutes I'll do this for three minutes I'll do and then I will have no idea what's going on from your perspective but I will be broadcasting my sounds and it will give you kind of like a like a backdrop like a like a wallpaper like a canvas and then you can do whatever to that um but uh again the specifics of that is still totally up in the air right now so Maybe yeah. once, maybe once we get together, once people arrive in town, we can talk about what to do. But yeah, I mean, more than likely, like in the last thirty seconds before we play, some plan will emerge, and that's <laughs> what'll happen. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an improvisation group, so we we try to. All right, sweet. Thank you so much. I guess my last question would be: Is there anything you'd like to share with the uh, with our audience before we end this interview? Uh, if you're interested in this, go check out Richard Roundtree's site and just poke around on the internet. There's a lot of cool things to listen to. And what's the name of that site? Uh, he's the Fish Listener. Um, I think that's the name of his website, yeah. All right, and can we just get your website one more time for the, uh, for the audience? Sure. It's, the project's called Lost, and it's just LOS.st. Was there anything you'd like to say, Jason? Nope. <laughs> All right, well, thank you both. Thanks again to Jason Nainan and Eric Schoster for being on today's Artbeat. To see more of their work, check out los.st. For Rodney Roundtree's website, check out fishecology.org. For more conversations with regional artists, tune into Artbeat, Tuesdays at 12.30, right here at 89.5 KQAL. I'm Giovanni Bermudez. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.